everyone, welcome to the very first episode of the Education Movement Podcast. My name is Henry Rivera, I am the host of the show, and today we have a very special guest. He's my good friend, Chris Deer, who happens to be the Teacher of the Year for the whole state of Louisiana, and he is a National Teacher of the Year finalist. Recently, Chris published an open letter to high school seniors. This letter addressed the unfortunate reality that high school seniors are currently facing during the COVID-19 pandemic. On the show, Chris and I will explore the journey of his teaching career, the impact of his letter, and what we can do to support students during this time and after the pandemic. Enjoy the show. Today, we are going to hit the ground running as we have a very special guest. He is a man of many talents. Not only was he the teacher of the year for his school, not only was he the teacher of the year for his district, he is also the teacher of the year for the state of Louisiana. He's also the author of the book, The 1868 St. Bernard Parish Massacre. He's the holder of two master's degrees, one in education and one in educational administration. He's a soccer star in his community soccer leagues. He's a soccer coach. He's also been featured in the New York Times and the Washington Post for his lessons. And oh yeah, did I mention that he's also the National Teacher of the Year finalist? When do you guys find out when you win? Uh, They pushed the time back because of everything going on, so I guess in May. Nice, nice. Well, I'm 100% rooting for you, buddy. So, a man of many talents. I got a first. I got the first question already off the top of my head. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate that intro. It made me uh, look really amazing. So, thank you for that. But uh, I also want to say thank you for having me. I know this is your first uh, episode, and I'm honored to be your first guest. But oh. there's a lot of things that I can't do. So. You'll notice I stay in my lane with, you know, teaching, soccer, things of that nature. You, you won't find me playing golf or anything like that. <laughs> nice. I, no, I uh, very much respect that, man. And honestly, you are someone who, I mean, like, I'm, I'm very glad to be a friend of yours. And uh, you're just someone who I very much respect, man, because on top of the work that you already do in the classroom, um, you're also, you show a level of fear, of fearlessness. Um, with a lot of the issues that you bring to the surface through your social media pages. Um, you're just, you attend protests. You're just not afraid to speak out for, you know, fighting for the rights of others and for people who don't necessarily always have the, the tools or the means to do so. So that's an awesome thing that you do that, man. I have a lot of respect for that. Well, likewise, I work with you and I, I see the time and dedication you put into the classroom and I see students piling into your classroom during lunch and after school on uh, you know a daily occasion so you're you're in it and and you're killing it as well but yeah i definitely try to try to speak out when things when, when i think an injustice has occurred so yeah that's definitely something I, I i try to do and i think the study of history really informs that process it's a continual cycle you know it's not linear people have to push to make things happen that's that's amazing man and after all, you are a history teacher. I almost forgot to mention that. <laughs> so uh, were you, say, uh, as a student, were you always interested in just history or were you one of those students that uh, you were good at all subjects? To be honest, yeah, I was just interested in history. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. I don't think I was the best in math. I, I did like to write, but I don't even know if I was the best in, in ELA. 
I, I really liked to learn science, but again, I don't know if I was really good in my biology and chemistry classes. So again, that was my lane is history and, and it's still, <laughs> it's still my lane. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you know, I mean, there, there is something to be said about that, right? Because it's, it's said that those people who spent uh, like a focused amount of time on this one subject tend to get very, very good at it. So in fact, I'm, I'm probably going to be butchering the quote that Bruce Lee said, but I remember Bruce, I read a quote by Bruce Lee that said like, I'm not afraid of a guy who's practiced 10,000 kicks or 10,000 different kicks, but I am afraid of a guy who's practiced one kick 10,000 times. Wow. So, I've never heard that quote, but that's an amazing yeah, quote. Yeah, man. It's and real. So <laughs> it's, it's a really, it's, it's a very wise thing to do to stay in, in your lanes, you know, the things that you're good at. Right. Unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm interested in a lot of things, but you know, I'm, I'm not any good in, in biology. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, okay, let's start things off by uh, maybe telling us a little bit more about yourself. Um, you became a teacher and given given the multiple talents that you have, like you probably could have chosen many other industries. Why did you why did you decide to go into teaching? Interestingly enough, I didn't want to be a teacher growing up. It was the last thing that I wanted to do because mm-hmm. my mom is a teacher. She's in her 45th year of teaching. And I remember her juggling uh ev- all the duties of teaching i remember her literally cooking you know holding a pot in one hand and and doing uh and grading and lesson planning with the <laughs> other i remember her staying up late i remember her going to to kids' homes to tutor Whoa. to hospitals wow. if, if they were you know in there for whatever reason and missing class she never really separated her work from her actual identity from her life and growing up i saw that and i said wow i don't want to do that that's a lot of dedication but you know fate had other goals so i was actually at etbu in east texas baptist university and i was studying and i wanted to become a lawyer i was taking constitutional law classes pre-law classes but i wasn't feeling it as much toward the end of my senior year so i remember calling my mom and, and complaining and she listened like good teachers did and then she asked me to watch her teach from the teacher's perspective. Mm. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll watch my mom teach because you can't really tell my mom, no, you've met my mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's probably why she's such a good teacher. So I went and watched my mom teach and I remember just being blown away by what was going on in the classroom. She was inspiring students. She was passionate. They were participating. They were, they were in it. So I said, that's what I want to do. And I changed my career path almost on a dime and wow. went back to St. Bernard Parish after I graduated from college, started working in a summer educational program and haven't looked back since. Wow. So I think what I was missing in some of those classes was that community connection. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw my mom doing what she was doing, I felt like there was a lot of human connection going on. And that's really what I wanted. So and I haven't looked back since. I've, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing, man. I mean, and it, it also must be interesting being, say, uh, the son of a teacher who, right, who's right. also been recognized for a lot of, like, her contributions and a lot of the things that she's done in her community. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in her shadows. You know, you said a lot of nice things about me in, in, <clears throat> the, in the start, but at the same time, when I'm around Chalmette, St. Bonaparte Parish, you know, right outside, it's a community right outside of New Orleans, I'm still known as Miss Dia's son. <laughs> And they'll tell me that, wow. you know, whatever title you get, you're still Miss Dia's son. And everywhere that I go, people uh, tell me, talk to me about my mommy. And it's, it's great. She really is a community leader. And yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it shows the kind of impact that she's had on the lives of these people. Right. So right. That's right. pretty, that's pretty amazing. Now, all the nice things you said about me 
in the beginning all of that comes from my mom and everything that she taught me that was my foundation my first year teaching she made a teacher bible of all these strategies and mm. hints and tips and different lessons and, and organized you still have a copy of that bible i do no. yeah i gotta check it out yeah of course i'll share it with whomever nice okay so yeah so i all these different things that have happened is because she because of that foundation and not just me there were a lot of teachers at Shelmet high and throughout louisiana who became a teacher because of my mother and people who became many different professions they always you know growing up as a son of a teacher was really interesting because we would mm -hmm. go to grocery stores and whatnot yeah. and everybody would stop us and thank my mom for what she did and I used to think that was normal until I got a little older yeah. and I thought, oh, not everyone's mom is a yeah. teacher making all of these, you know, connections. That's, so that's for sure. Yeah. She, she's definitely one of the best teachers. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that is pretty cool. And I, I, I gotta say that anytime I've heard people speak about your mom, like I usually hear nothing but good things and all related to her teaching. Like right. All have been like oh, your mom was such a great teacher. They have like really good memories like with your mom or funny stories. So. Right, and I'm always, I always ask, what makes her such a good teacher? Yeah. And I was at a coffee shop a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point, and somebody came up to me talking about my mom that I didn't even know. And, and this, this lady was getting her um, master's degree in microbiology at Tulane. And, and coming from Chalmette, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. So I asked her, what did she do? And her response was, she was so passionate. Mm. And I remember feeling that that's amazing. Like no one's like, oh, she taught me that the Declaration of Independence was. Or <laughs> yeah. they always talk about how she made them feel. Right. And I think that's important for us to realize yeah. as educators. To get back to the subject, right? We're here to talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> Though we know how important uh, your mom's foundation was uh, for your, your own, say, development as a teacher. Right. But so... You, you saw your mom teach, and after watching your mom teach, you were like, you know what, this is the profession that I'm going to pursue. And right now, you are teaching 10th grade. I'm sorry, you're teaching high school history, right? And you have a mixture of students. Right. You're right. also teaching AP classes. But were you always a high school history teacher? No, I actually, when I, when I moved back to the area, I taught middle school for five years. Mm -hmm. I taught in a special ed class for two years, Louisiana history for three years. And I loved eighth grade Louisiana history and, and seventh grade U.S. history. It's such a pivotal time for these for these students. Yeah. And then my mom decided to retire. And then she asked me, can you apply for my position at Shaman High School? And again, you can't tell her no. <laughs> so I applied and I got that job. My mom could not stay. So I teach in my, my mother's old classroom right wow. now. Yeah. And, and my mom couldn't stay retired. So... After a year of long-term subbing, she went back into the classroom, and now she teaches at elementary school in, in Chalmette, something she hasn't done yet. So she's taught almost every single grade from K through 12th at this point now. Wow. And that's how you know someone is passionate about what they do, right? Right. Like they retire right. for a couple of years, and they go, I can't. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I got to yeah, come back. Middle school, five years, and then this is my fifth year at the high school level. Nice. And of the two, do you like one better than the other? Yes, I know this is controversial, but I do prefer high school. Nice. And I, I think a lot of people wouldn't blame you. <laughs> yeah, you know, middle school is challenging. Middle school teachers should get paid so much more. I mean, what they do is every single day is, is amazing. You're someone who I think you're able to connect with students 
in a way that maybe not all of us can do because you attended the same school, right? Like you are teaching at the school that you attend. Are you you went to Shamet High School yourself? I went right? to Andrew Jackson High oh, School. Oh, that's right, that's right. Which closed after Katrina, and then they reopened it to uh, a middle school. Right. So, so from the same community. That's what I was going right, to say. Yeah, but exactly. not the same exact school. Got it. Okay. And being from the same community is what allows you to connect with students. Yeah. So I try to leverage that as much as possible. I'm from shall met and i try to use our culture and yeah. our ways of life and implement that into the classroom as much as possible and then i try to my best to relate to students who aren't from shall met as well we have a lot of immigrant students coming in so i i think it's an interesting dynamic to be from that community mm-hmm. and to try to relate to both the people that have been here for an incredibly long period of time right. and the people who are moving in to our community as well You've recently gotten a lot of attention for a letter you wrote to the seniors. Um, right now, we have the the COVID nineteen pandemic that is plaguing the entire country, really the whole world, and our schools have been shut down. And every day looks more and more likely that we will not be returning to school. And you wrote a letter, an open letter, and you. You know, you posted it on your social media accounts and you have gotten a lot of attention for it, right? Like it's been shared by many, many people. Um, you've gotten some radio interviews because of it. Some You've been featured in, have you been featured in some articles for it too? I have, yes. Yeah, wow. So what compelled you to write this letter? Yeah, that's, it's been really interesting as of late. So Friday, when they said schools will be canceled until April 13th, a few seniors came into my classroom and they were super upset and they were wondering about prom and senior trip and all of these different things that they've been looking forward to. And one of them is someone that I knew growing up. Another is somebody that I taught twice in middle school. So I remember, you know, feeling upset for these students, sad for them, because you want them to enjoy their senior year, right? right. It's their last big year. And I also remember getting some feelings that I got when I was a senior in high school because when I was a senior, Katrina hit in August my senior year. And so everything that I was looking forward to, prom, soccer season, all of that was was taken away. And I was forced to move to Texas and stay in a hotel and then a shelter. And I remember just my senior year kind of feeling like it was crumbling. And I remember the news just being constant 24-7, Katrina, Katrina. And rightfully so, it was a disaster, just like right now. And so when those students were, when they came to my classroom, I remember thinking, I see you, I hear you. Those feelings are yeah. legitimate, should not be minimized. They're, they're entirely justified. So I went home and I was in my feelings that weekend. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I want to write a letter to those students that, that came to my classroom, to my seniors, especially the ones that I taught last year that I really got to, to know so well, that they were looking forward to so many different things. So I wanted to write them a letter. Nice. Well, I was getting some text messages from other people about their seniors and are you feeling ace? And then Mm. a family friend called me and said, why don't you write a letter as a Louisiana teacher of the year to seniors across Louisiana? Ah. And so I remember thinking, that's a great idea. Just kind of let them know that I feel you. It it hurts. But and I remember thinking, you know, just putting it all out there the Sunday after the schools closed. And then I made it to where, you know, maybe any senior around the country could right. hear these words. Right. Why do you think that this letter was so well received by people? 
I think it, it really resonated well with so many people because reality started to set in the week after schools were closing around the country. Yeah. And there was a lot of uncertainty and seniors started to understand the significance of what was going on. I think that parents also felt a certain way about it. You know, teachers, we all want to see those seniors walk across that stage because I felt like we worked so hard to get them, a lot of them to where they are. And we want to see that. We want to see them at that finish line and go off and do great things. And so I think that a lot of seniors were feeling a certain way and they weren't getting the attention that maybe they felt they deserved and rightfully so. So when they read the letter, they felt, wow, somebody does understand, somebody does care. And that was the goal, is to let them know that we understand, not just me, but we all, all teachers. Like I said in the letter, that it doesn't stop, we don't stop caring once they walk out that classroom yeah, door. If right. anything, we care more. Right, Are you right. okay? Do you need anything? How, I, how can I be assistance from afar? So I wanted to let them know that I feel you, I hear you, and teachers across the country feel you yeah. and, and hear you. And thank you for translating that letter as oh, well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm going to be honest. Like, I I understood that it was an unfortunate thing. You know, I knew, like, oh, man, that's that, that really is unfortunate. Plus, we also thought that we would be coming back within a month, so it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but I'm glad that you wrote that letter because it, it made not only me, I'm sure it made other people who just don't have the experience of having your senior year stripped from you understand the severity of it you know so uh maybe do you want to talk about how maybe how your senior year was affected during katrina yeah absolutely i remember going to school on the friday before katrina and we were actually talking about different things as well senior trips and we i remember thinking about everything that we, we were talking about and then that friday we left that school and we were kind of like oh you know this is hurricane is coming and but i'll see y'all monday or maybe we'll nice. miss a few days wow. and that was it and then we we evacuated that weekend my dad said he had a bad feeling about it we woke up at like two in the morning left to texas stayed in a hotel but back then a lot of the uh paychecks were paper mm -hmm. so when the paychecks oh, stopped whoa. coming in then we had to stay in a shelter which was really tough to do to stay in a shelter and then try to go to different high schools out in Texas. You didn't know anybody. You didn't have anything but the clothes on your back. So wow. senior year was really kind of uh, bumpy for me. Right. You know, we tried to make the best of it. And I remember those feelings that I had, a lot of those started rushing back to me because it's, it's a traumatic event. It's going to stay right. with me for right. a while. But I remember feeling those feelings when the students came to me last Friday and started mm. talking about uh, missing their senior events right and so i remember thinking wow i feel you i i remember yeah. how how uh devastating that is because at the end of the day school is something where kids can get that social and emotional uh development yeah. not just academic as we so often think about it but these kids need connection especially at that age They're, yeah we're social beings and and they crave that they need that they, yeah they've been waiting so that letter was definitely informed by my experiences, which is probably why it was an emotional letter, to say the least. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, where, where can someone find that letter? Uh, should they want to read it if they haven't already had the chance? Um, you can just go to chrisdeer.com, and it's the first blog post. It's on a few other blogs as well, but the Washington Post also uh, printed it nice. or posted it. Uh, the Today Show also posted a copy of it, so I'm sure if you just type my name and letter, it, it will pop up. 
Nice. Wow. I forgot to mention that on the intro, huh? The no, you don't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to mention any of that, but uh, no, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So I know you've gotten a lot of attention from adults, of course. I, I think a lot of grown-ups have understood how uh, meaningful that letter was but what about for students or from seniors have you heard anything from them and about like uh, how, how they received your letter yeah so right after the letter was posted the messages just started flowing in on every social media that i have and i mean these these students were posting they, they were sending me really powerful messages about how it was impacting them personally some of them were seeking advice and it was kind of an incredible response that i received it's also not just in the United States. There were kids from all over the world. So that really? they, people were asking for a Spanish copy and whatnot. Yeah, and I've right now in Brazil, it's it's going making its ways. No so way. So I'm looking for translations there. So the power of the internet. Huh? Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's really remarkable how something can travel so fast and so quick. And I I made it my goal to respond to every single student that reaches out. So every day I wake up for a few hours and I just <laughs> I try to respond to them as much as possible. You know, they reached out. They deserve a response. But it, it seemed to resonate really uh, powerfully with with seniors across the country and beyond. Yeah, yeah man. I think another reason why uh, it's been so well received by many, many people is because we as educators and people who are in school we are just like that's what we do right we teach and and we care for students and our concern and you know maybe i'm speaking for myself was like okay so how are we going to make sure that the learning still continues right after all like we still have to prepare them for the following year and we know that if we do nothing um it can have some pretty severe uh, repercussions so no one had taken the time, at least no one that I had spoken to, to think about the emotional state that students are in. And I think that's why it, it made a lot of us kind of pump our brakes and go, hey, have we actually like checked in on their emotional state? Because I know they got to go home and a lot of my students were very excited to hear right, that they wouldn't right. be coming back yeah. <laughs> until like a month or so. Oh, yeah. But um, but I think after the dust settles, right, and the excitement goes away and then you have maybe your parents at home trying to teach you content and then them getting frustrated and, and you're getting right, frustrated. Right. Um, it starts to get a little real, right? Like, oh, right, wait, this is right. so, so trauma, like, is, is, it becomes more and more relevant by the day. Like, you start hearing about more people right. dying and yeah. people in your household or in your community could possibly be victims because right now no one is safe. Right. So it's, this I, virus does not discriminate. Right. Yeah. No, like, not, not by race, not by community, not by nothing. So, um, to having someone that has the experience of how uh, traumatic it can be to be out right, of school right. for this long and not because you were given a vacation, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's, it's unsettling. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it can be pretty serious for some students. Some students might come from households where there is abuse there. They might right. come from places with food insecurities and they might come from uh, some some students are homeless. Even some students that we teach, and yeah, you probably have names flying in your head yeah. right now. Yeah. So it's not just you know oh they're gonna miss a few lessons and they're gonna be behind there. But some students they they need school as their as their refuge. So you're right that could in, that could induce trauma for 
for a lot of our yeah. students. Yeah. 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 Or sometimes students just need an adult that shows them care. Right. Right. It's like not all of them get that at home. Right. I mean, in a perfect world, of course. Right. Like we'd all be at home <laughs> hanging out and smiling and laughing, but certainly not the reality in a lot of places. No, that's exactly right. So as someone who has experience a traumatic event like Katrina and have been able to bounce back and you know at this point you made something out of it what kind of advice would you give to seniors or as a matter of fact you're responding to a lot of messages so what kind of advice or what kind of response are you giving to these seniors that maybe some of us educators can also convey to our students yeah great question one thing that I try to emphasize and reiterate anytime I'm writing these students back is that yeah, you're going to miss some events. You're going to, it's going to be tough. It's going to shake in your resolve. It's going to, you know, it's going to hurt. It's going to, it's going to feel certain ways, but at the end of the day, don't let missing a few events shape your life or don't let that minimize the journey that you took to get to where you are. A lot of students have a lot of challenges and issues and to get to where they are, it's, it's, it's a big deal for them. You know, I think sometimes we forget as adults that growing up is hard. They're molding their identity. They're still developing and, and you know, everything that they do can shape their, their future, any, any mistake that they make. So I try to let them know that it really shouldn't be, these events shouldn't define them. And mm. at the end of the day, it's gonna make them a better person. It's gonna make them more resilient. It's tough to see now. It was tough for me to see when I was in a shelter in Texas, Right. but it will. And I don't want students to ever lose sight of that. And also, learning doesn't have to just be confined to the classroom walls that's also what i was saying in in the letter like go out be creative be innovative Mm -hmm. especially this generation they dance on and on these apps and put it out there they're so bold and (laughs) and whatnot so so i think that yeah just a little inspiration and hope can go a long way yeah 100 percent. especially when you know there's there's so much uh fear-mongering happening in, in in a lot of our media channels right it's not just like on the right, news right it's right. all over you know facebook and twitter and all just like a lot of like fear mongering right. and that seeps into them they yeah. are listening they're watching the, the reactions of parents and community leaders and politicians and they're internalizing that that impacts them mm. as well yeah so i think that's also something really important to consider because yeah they're some of their parents are losing jobs they're losing grandparents you know it's just yeah. it's, it's really hard on them yeah you know and speaking of being considerate um assuming we go back to school at some point in our lives <laughs> <laughs> hopefully um, I'm, yeah I'm really, dying, really. I... <laughs> um but assuming we go back to school um something we i think as educators we have to consider is is right. that right is giving giving room for dealing with with this experience that can be traumatic for our students because right. We uh, we are going to be the lo- the lucky ones, the ones um, like I'll be teaching sophomores mm-hmm. most likely, um, who have will have they'll have the experience of Katrina as little teeny babies, and they'll have the coronavirus experience. Okay, that's a really interesting point yeah. that I started to consider as well. Mm-hmm. That these students are already survivors of trauma. They right. already experienced Katrina. They already went through that they were babies they don't remember but that trauma is intense for a baby that you know the majority of development brain development happens before the age of five so most of our students were bouncing around before they came back and and settled and i had a visitor in my classroom um a month or two ago and he he was asking questions about katrina 
And he was like, so did some of your students get impacted? And I said, yeah, every student that's from here, you right. know, and he was shocked to hear that. Right. So you're, you're exactly right there. They already went through trauma before. And I, I think that's what makes this class so interesting. This is some of the, some of the first or last classes of students who actually went through Katrina. Right, right. So, yeah, they, they already survived trauma once. I never mind having students coming after school during lunch before school to talk to me like I'm I mean that's very flattering if anything right. but for say the rest of us the the other educators like what what is something they can do or what kind of advice would you have for them so that they too can you know make the best out of their year not just for themselves right but right. also for their students right I think in times like these that educators and I guess everybody but Specific, specifically educators, yeah. we should never forget the why we get into education. So we get into education to because we care, because right. we want to inspire, because we want to you know, change the world, or whatever the case may be. We want to be a member of the community. That whatever that foundation is that got us to where we are, that right. made us become educators, yeah. that, we, that can still guide us through whatever decision we make. That, mm-hmm. that can still inform anything that we do. From here on out, I think if we we hold our values close and we can we can do wonders. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I remember uh, once uh, my French teacher, he once stopped class because there was a, a kid who out loud said like, you know that it, uh, a police member shot one of my friends and killed him, and I I I. As a student at the time, I was like, man, this guy is, I don't know if he's saying that just because he doesn't want to do work or he really just like wants to get this out. But regardless of the fact, the teacher stopped the class and allowed allowed for a discussion, you know, or just allowed for people to kind of check in on each other and, and chime in like, man, I've had that happen too. And I mean, look at me, I'm 30 years old now. This happened 15 years ago. And I still remember that, you know, because that was that was pretty amazing that like he recognized like, Oh wait, this is, this is an opportunity or like this. I don't want to just dismiss something like that, you know, which sometimes I think we're, we could be guilty of doing. I don't know if I've ever done it. I might have, um, cause we're so busy trying to get through all our curriculum. Right. And, yeah. We have test scores that need to stay up and, and whatnot. But I think that's really powerful because that's what people remember about teachers. Things yeah. like that, right? right? The, right. Those powerful stories and those discussions, might not be able to speak fluent French, but you remember how it felt to be in a classroom where a teacher provided that space for, for students to engage and have productive discussions about incredibly serious issues. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the next time that we were in that classroom, um, there wasn't that level, that w- there wasn't that tension there, right? Of like, oh, this guy doesn't even care. You know, right. it showed a level of like, of, of caring. Of trust as well. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I do want to end the show or today's podcast on a more uplifting note. So how about we do a round of rapid fire questions? Then we'll talk about maybe how uh, someone can find more information about the work that you're doing and wrap it up. How's that sound? Sounds great. I'm ready. All right, cool. Here we go. Question number one. What's your favorite food? Crawfish. All right. What is your boiled, fa- boiled crawfish? Okay. Favorite sports team? FC Barcelona, Saints, Pelicans, 
Can I give more than one answer? Or I said a favorite sports team, just one. Okay, Saints. Who is the best soccer player of all time? In history or just as that's playing right now? Of all time. Zidane. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Favorite artist or favorite band? I don't know. Mm. Let's just do favorite band. Who's your favorite band? I don't know. I'll let you do a top three for this one. Top three artists that you like to listen to. I'm having a blank. Favorite book that you've ever read? Favorite book? The 1868. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite author is George Orwell. And oh. I think he informs a lot of my politics and analysis as well. So, uh, he, you know, every book that he's written, I, I, I've loved. I'm going to throw a little dagger at one of my friends, but do you like the book uh, 1984? Yes. I've had someone that told me they didn't like that book, and I almost lost my mind. They probably didn't understand it. They interpreted it different. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, don't, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a classic. It's one of the greatest books of all time I in agree. my mind. I agree. I, 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 I'm a big fan in of it. In fact, book. if any students are listening, they should read 1984. Right. Since you're not in school right now, I both uh, Mr. Deer and I recommend the book 1984. I'll, I'll deliver it. And if you don't want to read it, read Animal Form. Favorite grade to teach? Seniors. I know you've also visited a lot of places in the world. Favorite country to visit? Oh, wow. I have a few that pop in my mind. Argentina. If you could speak any language in the world besides Spanish, what would you speak? Italian. If you had a free ticket to anywhere in the world that you haven't been to, where would you go? Havana, Cuba. Why? I'm interested in our educational system, and I find the history fascinating. What's a better sport, football or basketball? Basketball. Do you prefer eating out or cooking at home? Depends on who's cooking. If I'm cooking, I prefer going out to eat. Nice. But I like to cook, but other people do it better. <laughs> and your favorite student ever? Oof. I can't answer that question. Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's give me in hot water on that one. Yeah. I get in big trouble if they're listening to it. Yeah, no, I know. It was definitely a way to end it. Okay. All right, Mr. Deer. So if people want to know more about you or they want to find out more of the work that you're doing, where can they go? Where can they contact you? Um, what what does someone have to do? Yeah, so my Twitter is at Chris Deer. My email is ChrisDeer3 at gmail.com. I have a history blog that I now write some educational things on so christier.com so yeah it's it's not hard <laughs> yeah nice uh is your book also on christier.com it is yes nice. yes it's on amazon it's wherever you know a lot of books are sold <laughs> hopefully <laughs> yeah unless they took it off yeah but yeah which hopefully not good deal <laughs> well mr deer it was such a good time um sitting here talking to you having this conversation i hope to have you back on this show sometime soon or if not sometime in the history of the show yeah i can't wait to see how far this podcast is going to go i'm thank you for having me man it's it's yeah, an absolutely. honor to be your absolute first guest on this podcast that i you're, you know it's going to go so far so i'm honored to to be here yeah man chris dear everybody this is my good friend me too i'm very honored to have you thanks for being on the show we'll see you next time you enjoyed the episode there will be many more to come but in the meantime 
If you'd like to get in touch with my dear friend Chris, no pun intended, you can reach out to him on Twitter at Chris Deer, that's C-H-R-I-S-D-I-E-R. You can email him at chrisdeer3 at gmail.com, or you can go to chrisdeer.com and check out the work that he's been doing. Also, don't forget to follow the podcast at edumovement20, both on Twitter and Instagram, and like our page on Facebook. You can also contact me at theeducationmovement20 at gmail.com and throw out some suggestions for topics you want to hear, for people you want to have on the show, or give me some constructive feedback for how to make this podcast better. Until next time, friends, remember to stay healthy, stay safe, spread hope, and spread love. Peace.